manhood. Last week we talked about um, how there's this guy, David, he was a man after God's own heart is what the scripture said. And David was a worshiper. And we talked about the importance of being a worshiper first, but David was also a warrior. And I'd like to read in 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, Samuel was the priest who anointed David to be king. And this is what this says at this point. Verse 14 says, Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. And he will play soothing music, and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said. Find me someone who plays well and bring him here. And this is the part that I want us to catch today. It says, one of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he gets below the surface that sometimes we're known for being good at something. Sometimes on the surface, there's, there's something that's bright and shiny that gets people's attention but below the surface of some things that are bright and shiny, we begin to, begin to get an idea. It says, not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man. I always laugh when I read this, like of all the things that they mention. He's like, yeah, he's good-looking, <laughs> you know? He's a fine-looking young man, and, and this is the important piece, and the Lord is with him. David is called at this point to King Saul's court to be a worshiper and a warrior. He shows up to bring the environment of worship to King Saul's court, but he's also talked about being a warrior. But I want you to know this, he was called to be that with a track record already of being a worshiper and a warrior. Let me define for you really quickly what warrior is. A man who operates out of being a worshiper to bring his best in the territories God has placed him in to defeat the attacks of the enemy and expand God's kingdom. I defined that last, last week, and this is what I know. This is what I've learned in my life as a man, that every man was born with an innate drive. There's something in us to follow a cause and to fight for a cause. Men, this is what I know about you and I. There's something innate in us to follow a cause and to fight for a cause. To follow a cause and to fight for a cause. To follow a cause and to fight for a cause. We follow as worshipers and we fight as warriors. That's who we are as men. And I want you to also know, uh, society is slowly discipling us, teaching us, training us as men to be culturally compliant to its cause. Let me say that again. Men, we are being slowly discipled, trained, and taught. Our young boys, if we're not aware of this now more than ever, our sons who will grow up to be men and fathers, who then will pour their identity into sons who will grow up to be men and fathers, 
We are all being slowly trained, equipped, discipled to be culturally compliant to its own cause rather than compliant to Christ's cause. We are following and we're fighting for a cause, but it's, this question is, is it the one that we were created for? This is what I believe for all of us as men. We are following and fighting for a cause. Is it the one that you were born for? Is it the one that makes you wholehearted, that you can pour your whole heart into? And today we're gonna discover godly insight, how to live powerfully as warriors to Christ's cause, because that's what you were created for. And we're gonna discover this. We talk about the worth of a warrior and how warriors worship, how they wait, and how warriors are willing. Let's pray. Father, we are nothing without you. We're nothing without your presence. God, we're nothing without your hand, your touch, what you bring. Thank you that you were the first to give. Thank you that you were the first to give life. You were the first to bring life. You're the first to give of yourself. Thank you for setting, uh, setting the model, exemplifying. Today, as we talk about being warriors, God, that we all would have hearts that would be open, and ears to hear, and give us understanding. Encourage the men. Encourage those who are listening, who are raising maybe young men. We thank you. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said amen and amen. Can you guys give Lulu? She had to hang out with me for a few minutes. Number one, let's talk about how uh, warriors worship. Why is this important? Last week we talked about David was a worshiper. It's important, though, that we reiterate that I double down on this and we start out here. Warriors first worship. And it says in 1 Samuel 16, 18, I just read this. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. But at the very end of all of the stuff that they had to say, this was the key to this. It's, and the Lord is with him. And the Lord is with him. He could be a lot of things. He could have played the lyre, the harp. He could have played the tambourines. He could have done a lot of things. But this was actually the thing that mattered most. And the Lord was with him. The Lord is with him was evidence of David being a worshiper. Why? Because God's presence was with him. Why is it important for us to be warriors that worship? Because we need men. We need if we're built to follow and fight for a cause, we need the presence of God in our lives. So the first thing is, uh, let, let me just say this. If I don't have the presence of God in my life, here's a really popular term, toxic masculinity. Okay? I think there's just some things that are masculinity. That culture has a problem with and they're discipling true masculinity out of manhood. Am I, am I going <laughs> to? Okay. We need the presence of God. That's how we become biblical men. Walking in biblical, godly masculinity. 
That's how we're able to be masculine and be a warrior but not be toxic. But don't call masculinity toxic as a whole. Fair statement. So I'm going to redefine what a worshiper is because uh, warriors first worship. So this is what a worshiper is. I defined this last week. A man who operates under the authority of God as a carrier of God's presence. While giving all worth, attention, and affection to God as the sole source of power and provision in his life. It's a man with God at, at his center. It's not a perfect man. It's not a man that, that you know, has it all together all the time. It's a man who has God at his center. It's not about perfection. It's about presence. And I want to tell you this, that warriors are worthy because they are worshipers. <laughs> David's identity as a heart player, think about this. We're going to war. And I lined up a bunch of men on a wall and put their pictures and what they're known for. Are you going to pick the harp player? Listen, I'm not throwing shade on harp players. I'm just, guys, are you with me? I, I tell you right now, homies getting picked last. When we were kids and we were playing sports and we, you know, you pick team, like harp players getting picked last, bro. Okay? But so I want you to think about what gave David his worth as a harp player. David's identity as a heart player was worthy because he found it in God's presence. It wasn't about him being a heart player, it's about what he carried. It could have been any instrument, it didn't matter. But his worth was found there. Warriors are worthy because they're worshipers. Your worth, men, is found in worship to a father who deposits identity. Worth is a big deal. Uh, when we recognize God's absolute worth as our father, we become aware of our absolute worth as his son. I'm going to say that again. When we recognize God's absolute worth as a father, we become aware of our absolute worth as a son. Men, do you feel worth it? Do you feel worth it? I'm telling you that you and I were created to follow a cause and to fight for a cause. How are you doing? Do you wake up in the morning and go, I'm worth it? I'm worthy of being called a warrior. I want to tell you something. What makes us worthy is his presence. Worth for men, I just want to describe this really quickly. Worth for men Really what it is, it's respect for having what it takes. Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm to kind of separate for right now. Uh, men and women both equally want to have worth. But the struggle is slightly different. Men want respect because they have what it takes. They want to be respected for it. You have what it takes. Wow, I'm, I feel respected because I have what it takes. Women, worth for women. 
that you're lovely enough to be desired? Are you worth it? So if you just look at the, the posts on social media between men and women, one is saying, I'm worthy, like my photo, because I'm lovely enough to be desired. And men, for the most part, are saying, look at what I'm doing. I have what it takes. And we want respect for it. When men struggle to believe that they have what it takes, they struggle to believe their worth. This is a, whether men we want to admit it or not, this is a core thing that we carry as men. This is from my experience as a man and my experience of counseling a lot of men, my experience in athletics, talking, coaching people. Men, this is something we just, we're like, man, I just don't feel like I have what it takes. Feeling less than worthy leaves you feeling less than wholehearted. When you don't feel like you have what it takes, you need to take heart. And I love this, this passage. In John 16, 33, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Who is this? This is Jesus talking. Here on earth, you're going to have many trials, struggles, tribulations, sorrows. These are the words that are used. Men, you and I, we're going to step in it. We're going to hit it. The proverbial stuff is going to hit the the fan. We're going to fall on our face. There's going to be moments that what we set out to do, we fall short in. This is actually not a if this happens, it's a when it happens. Scripturally is what it's telling us. But Jesus says this, but take heart. In other translations, it says, but take courage. Because I have overcome the world. This is what's important about this. I have overcome the world. Jesus says, you find peace in me. Men, we find peace in Jesus. Why? Because he has actually overcome the world. What does that mean? That means that we get to live from the victory that he already has. And we don't have to fight so darn hard for the victory that we think we have to live by. We feel, we, we, we feel like crushing under the weight of trying to live to be victorious. And I want you to know, men, you already live in an existence of victory when you're a worshiper as a warrior because you're found in Jesus. And that's the only place that we get to live wholeheartedly with peace. Every son, this is what I love. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, me and my friends would be hanging out in the front yard. I remember this growing up in Oceanside. And we would, we would, get, in up, we, we would get in arguments. Man, I don't, I, I don't know if you can relate with what I'm about to say. Raise your hand or do something. Maybe I was alone in this, but I swear I would get in arguments with my friends, the other boys, about whose dad could kick the other dad's butts. Any men with me? Bro, I would like, I'd be like, my dad could take your dad out. And they're like, no, my dad could take you out. Dude, I was already living from a place of my dad is already victorious. He is the biggest hero in the world. He will take your dad 
out. Within minutes, it, that had like completely broken down and we're rolling around in the grass beating each other up. What gave me the confidence to feel like I had the worth to even make a statement like that? Did you know that the, 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 the propensity to do that as a little boy is because it's built into us to have a dad that already lives victoriously? We look at our dads and we're like, nah, bro. Like, the reality is, is that if the dads got together, they're like, I, I don't want Adult men, they're, like, they're struggling that they have what it takes, but their sons are like, dude, my dad could take you out, MMA dad. Like, okay, maybe it was just me. The first place a son takes courage from is his father's victories. I hadn't done anything in life yet. I had a lot of courage. Why? Because of my dad. We need, the first place we need to take courage from is Jesus. Not our degrees. Not in our job promotions. Men, our wives don't want more income. They want more intimacy. See, the women were like, preach. <laughs> Ladies started shouting me down. I'm watching my wife right now. My eyes are locked on you, girl. Seven kids later, I think we got intimacy down. Okay. <laughs> I just can't stay away from it. Okay. Man, this is what I want you to know. We don't have what it takes in isolation. We don't have what it takes on our own. We need the victory of Jesus in our life. And we need each other. Warriors as worshipers recognize the worth of their weaknesses so they can show God's strength. Guys, I, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm, I'm weak. I got weaknesses. Massive points of deficiencies. I just, I wanna be honest and say that because sometimes maybe you can take courage from hearing another man say, I don't have it all together. I don't have what it takes on my own. I have what it takes out of being a worshiper in the presence of God. I take courage from Jesus when I don't have it. Men, we need this. Being a worshiper as a son to a father is what makes you worthy of being a warrior. It's what gives us, men, our worth. Wives, mamas, it's what gives your sons worth. Wives, it's what gives your husbands worth. And I love this, number two, warriors wait. First Samuel 17, 13 says, Jesse's three oldest sons, Jesse was David's dad. Jesse, Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shemiah had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. So these, these older brothers were already out basically on the battlefield with King Saul. And David was the youngest son 
Now remember, David had been anointed at this point. He had been anointed to be king by Samuel. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army. But David, listen to this, the, 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 the young boy who was anointed to be king, listen to what he was doing. But David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. He would go back to his father's field with the sheep. He would go back to the battlefield and he would work in Saul's court, remember, playing his harp, harp boy. Okay? And then he'd go back to his father's sheep and then he'd go back to the king's court. David was anointed king, but he went back to work in his father's field. And he would go between the two. David, as a worshiper and a warrior, had been anointed king, but chose to wait for the timing of God to release him into his kingship. Uh, there's wisdom in the wait. Men, if you're like me, you'd, weight is not uh, a bone in your body that exists. We, we, we're like right now, like, God, I've been doing all this work. I'm not seeing the finish line right now. So there must be no worth in the wait. But there's wisdom in the wait. As warriors, the wait is where we grow in our gifts that God has graced us with. I want you to know this, men. Delay in your life is not denial. Delay of the things in your heart is not denial. Delay in the dreams that you've had is not denial. God is growing something in you in the process of the wait. But Pat, I keep, I feel like I'm just going back and forth. David was going back and forth. God was growing him. I love the fact that David grew his gift of a shepherd's sling into a skill so that eventually he could experience success with five smooth stones. You know, the number five in the Bible means grace. That God had graced David with the gift of a shepherd's sling. And five smooth stones. But he had to develop the skill. He was active in the wait. Wait doesn't mean put on Netflix, sit down, unbuckle the top button of your pants so you got extra room to breathe. And sit down and go, oh, I'm waiting. That is, not, that is not waiting. I'm proposing, men, I'm proposing to you that God actually in the wait, in the delay, there's something in the quiet, there's something in the secret that God is preparing for us if we're willing 
to step in in the weight and use wisdom and develop a gift into a skill. Waiting is active rather than passive. Let me, let me define passive. Lacking in energy or will. Tending to not take an active or dominant part. Receiving or enduring without resistance. Uh, men, I, I, I'm going to make a statement. Um, this is not a global statement um, that it encompasses every single one of you because I, I believe wholeheartedly there's some of you that are active, that you're, you are this, you are active in the weight, that, that you're, you're, you're partnering with God in this. But I will tell you that by and large, when I look at society, Men are not active in the weight. They're passive in the weight. And I believe God is trying to awaken men to not be passive but active. That in the delay, God is giving us wisdom and he's training us and he's equipping us for the fullness of what he's called us to. And I think the enemy sometimes wants to get into our brains and wants to, he wants to tear down our courage and our willingness to wait. David was active in his waiting as a warrior, but he wasn't passive. Active waiting, let me define for you what active waiting would be. Rise and do the next best thing in regard to the time. Rise. And do the next best thing. You know, maybe that thing in your heart, you're not able to go today. Maybe, just maybe, you're not able to walk out the way that you see it in your head yet. But there is a next best thing that God can give you wisdom for. That's part of the process. That's active waiting. Passive waiting. Stay and do nothing. Total disregard for the time. Let me, let me talk real quickly about the pain of being passive. In 2 Samuel eleven eleven, it says, The spring of the year, when kings normally go to war, David, this wonderful guy that we're talking about, sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. Now, David at this point has already, he's now king. I'm going to fast forward in the story. He's now king. And he's supposed to be out at war. The time of the season was that kings were supposed to be out at war. Kings. Can I talk just king to king? There is a time and a season... That God calls us to get strategy in the palace. And there's a time and a season that he calls us into the battlefield to be kings because that's who we are. But there's pain if we choose to be passive and not step in and do the next best thing that the season calls for. Listen to what happens in King David's life. David chose to stay behind. 
He was passive, and it led to his own death. That was Saul. Saul was passive, led to his own death. David was passive. He ends up in in this historical account. He ends up going out on his porch. He looks down, and he sees a woman called Bathsheba. I like men because we're very visual. I like what I see. So he sends, go get this woman that I see bathing. He's a king and he's supposed to be out in the battlefield and instead he's watching a woman bathe. He sends for... He ends up sleeping with her. She gets pregnant. He wants to cover it up, so he sends her husband, a great warrior of his, out into the battlefield and basically tries to get him killed. That fails. The the whole thing goes sideways. He ends up murdering her husband. This is the pain of being passive. The baby is born, the baby dies. David became passive and it led to the death of an innocent man and his own child. David ended up fighting for his own kingdom when he was supposed to be fighting for God's kingdom. There's wisdom in the wait. God will instruct us when, where, and how we need to fight and what we need to fight for. You know, Saul's sword in this story was not David's sling. Man, sometimes... As warriors, uh, we're, we're fighting for things that we don't need to be fighting for. Sometimes our fight as warriors in this is in faith to wait actively by doing the next best thing for what time it is. And when it's time to go to battle as a king, there's wisdom in that. And I love for Samuel 16, 18, it says, and that David had good judgment. This is what it means. He was intelligent, discerning, and he had understanding. Now, what I just told you was not wise, intelligent, or really good understanding. It was stupid. And I think this, what it does is it tells, it begins telling us This is what happens, man, if we choose to continue to sit back and be passive, lacking in energy or will, tending to not take an active or dominant part, receiving or enduring without resistance. There is pain. Men, this is just the truth. There is pain on the other side of passivity. 
I believe our culture is actually living in some of that pain. And men, we can change the tide. If we're warriors that seek wisdom in the weight. There's different types of gifts that God graces us with. You know that we all have the same Goliath to be silenced, though, men? Lots of different ways that God has built us. So it doesn't mean that you have to be, you know, some stereotypical warrior male. Maybe you're like, dude, I'm wildly proficient and gifted in this area that brings high strategy and wisdom. Maybe you're an engineer. God has gifted all of us with different things. He's graced us with different things, but we all men have the same Goliath that needs to be silenced if we're willing. If we're willing. Warriors. Warriors are willing. David was the youngest son. The three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. David was willing to serve with the sheep, soothe Saul's spirit, and now the time has come for him to fight in the field. He was willing. He was willing to take the initiative. He was willing to give all of himself according to what God had given to him. He was willing to live wholeheartedly. In Acts 13, 22, what does it say? He will do everything I want him to do. That's what the premise of David, when we read about him, is that he was a man after God's own heart. And what does that mean? He was willing. He will do everything I want him to do. David was telling God, you have my whole heart. You have my whole heart. Men, who has your whole heart? What has your whole heart? What has a piece of your heart? What part of your heart right now has been arrested by things that are keeping you strung up, strung out, stuck, and you're not living wholeheartedly? What is it? Because I'm telling you in my life, this is what I'm at war against. This is what society is trying to bring against us as men. Society doesn't want you and I to live wholeheartedly willing to step in, willing to take action. Society wants us to be silent, complacent, compliant, and wants us to be politically correct, but will not allow us to step in and be the worshipers and the warriors that God created us to be, men. He was willing to show up with a shepherd's sling and five smooth stones, Saul wasn't even willing to show up with a sword. David took action in the face of fear from the enemy's rhetoric and the face of danger. Men, I want you to know this. Are you afraid? Are you afraid to sometimes stand up and stand out? Are you afraid that what you're doing is countercultural? Are you afraid that sometimes the thing that you feel deep in your gut, that you know, man, if I stand up and I walk into this, I'm gonna, there's a part of my heart that's going to breathe that hasn't breathed maybe in, in 10 years, that maybe in my entire life has, has felt buckled down. 
Is there something in you? And, and, and I want to tell you something. There are things, there are voices, there is a rhetoric, there are people, there are pressures keeping you and I stuck back in the corner. Shut up. Sit down. Don't speak. Don't stand. Don't walk. There's fear that gets a hold of our heart. And I love David because it says he was a brave man. You know, bravery is standing courageously in the face of fear. That's why we should take courage from Jesus. Why? We're going to need courage because we're going to experience fear. Men, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I wake up in the morning and sometimes I'm like, God, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm a, I don't know that I have what it takes. I'm somewhat afraid. I got all these kids and I have responsibility and God, I have dreams and I have things, you know, and then I experienced some really like weird stuff the last eight months of my life, accidents, whatever's going on. And it's like, there's this, there's this quiet whisper in our hearts, man. You don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. Sit. It's better to be passive. You don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. The world would be better without you. Men, we're four times more likely to take our own lives. Why? Because we're engaged in this fight right here. You're worth it. You have wisdom. And you're brave enough to be willing. I look at David's life. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I'm Philistine champion. But you're only servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be all our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Maybe these are not the exact words that you hear in the morning when you wake up, men. But this is the tone of what's is what, really what's coming against our hearts. And I love David. He goes, don't worry about this Philistine. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul says. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. Your win only comes from a willingness to take action from worship as the warrior God created you to be. Your win, men. When the world says there's no way you're going to win, your win only comes from a willingness to take action from a place of worship as a warrior and the warrior that God created you to be. So David persists. I love this. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, 
I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I love this guy. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. He has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. What is David saying? I've been a worshiper, and being a worshiper has prepared me to be the warrior that God has made me to be. Men, your warriorness actually comes from your worshipness. Men, your ability, my ability to join arms, we're worth it. We have wisdom and we're brave. It comes out of a place of worship and defines us as warriors and is preparing us. It's, it has prepared us for this time. David just says, I'm willing to be a warrior out of my worship. And then he turns <laughs> and he replies to this Goliath. You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you, and I will cut off your head. (laughs) Says the harp player. Listen to this, though. His confidence grows. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. And the Lord rescues his people. Men, and the Lord rescues his people. Men, and the Lord rescues his warriors. Men, and the Lord rescues his worshipers. Men, there is rescue for our risk. There is rescue for our risk. But he says he's not going to do it with a sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. Men, you're worth it. You have the wisdom. And you're brave enough to be willing. I'm telling you this. But I'm almost preaching it to myself as I say it. 
you're worth it. You have the wisdom. And you are brave enough to be willing. And there is a rescuer for the risk that we're called to as worshipers and as warriors. We were born for this. Man, we were born for this. We were born to follow and fight for the cause of God's kingdom. It's innate in us. Men, would you stand with me if you're ready to take the risk because you're worth it. You have the wisdom. And you're brave to be willing to take action. Men, we're warriors who worship, who wait, and we are willing. Let's pray. Men, keep standing. this is going to make sense. I just feel like this is what the Lord has put on my heart. Men, it is possible for you to be brokenhearted. It is possible for you to have hearts that are broken and at the same time have hearts that are whole. There are promises and things that if you've had in your life desires and dreams, purposes, assignments that God has spoken over your life. And I would remind you that most often what we feel like is denial is delay. But some of you are brokenhearted God has designed you to be wholehearted. And what I would tell you is, is that the way to be wholehearted is to be vulnerable enough, transparent enough, to be courageous enough to say and admit, this is where I'm heartbroken. God, Father, I'm a man. This is where my heart has been broken. This is where I've been made to feel like I don't have what it takes and I'm not worth it. This has been where I didn't feel like I had the strength to stand up and be active. This is where maybe I've fallen short because I've been afraid. And those are all very real things for us as men. But today is our chance to live with a whole heart, although we've been living with a broken heart. And so, Lord, I would say this morning that you're a healer of those hearts. When we're willing to show up, 
and say, you can have my whole heart. Like David, we're willing to do everything that you ask of us. You can have my whole heart this morning, God. Man, if you've been brokenhearted, I've been brokenhearted. So I'm gonna be the first to admit this. If you've been brokenhearted, and I'm not talking about when you were 13 and she told you that it wasn't you, it was her and she just wanted to be friends. (laughs) Not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the things deep in your heart that you don't even want to share with those that are closest to you because you're so heartbroken. If you're willing today to lay those down and say, God, you can have my whole heart, would you raise your hand with me? Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for every single heart of every man right now Wives, if you're next to your man, put your hand on him. Today, we just say, Lord, you can have our whole hearts. You can have all of it. The parts that are broken, the parts that are confused, the parts that are afraid, the parts of our hearts that... We've tried a hundred times and we feel like we're hitting our heads against the wall. It's like Groundhog Day. You just wake up every morning. It's the same thing, God. And God's sitting. He's telling you this morning. There's wisdom in the wait. He's equipping. He's preparing. Delay is not denial. You're worth it. Guys, you're worth it. He's giving you wisdom. He's equipping you in the wait. And you're brave enough to be willing. Lord, bless each one of these guys as they step in to giving you their whole heart. Today, as men, together, as men, we give you our hearts here today, Lord. We thank you for this. We thank you for allowing us to do that, Lord.